Hey, beautiful people, Rev Derek here. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Rev Derek Terry on my website, RevDerek.com. And welcome to the intersection. I am your host, uh, again, Reverend Derek Terry. I am the director, I am the program director for the Open and Affirming Coalition of the United Church of Christ. And I am the host of the intersection on a podcast. Yay. Thank you so much for joining us for episode four. Yeah, it's it's been a long couple of weeks because uh, those of you who are in the United Church of Christ, we had General Synod just a few weeks ago. Um, our last episode, I was in person with the awesome Reverend Rena Ramos. And today's discussion is a panel of myself plus three other amazing people who were at the General Senate, but we also went to the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries Holy Convocation. So a little bit more about that, but you do not want to miss this discussion. Um, just a couple of church announcements. You know how we do on August the 3rd and August the 22nd at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, immediate past director of the Open and Affirming Coalition, Reverend Andy Lang, will be leading a workshop ONA 101, or leading a webinar, rather, ONA 101, where you can learn how to start your Open and Affirming process, receive support if you already started the process, and access some technical assistance as you learn how to become an Open and Affirming congregation. So if you... Um, want to be an open and affirming congregation and you're in your congregation or you're pastoring or you're a member and you want to learn how to start the process, please, 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 you do not want to miss this. It's only $25. If you need some help with that, send me an email at ona at openandaffirming.org. That's my email address. And we may be able to provide you with uh, some financial assistance. Also, the ONA Band Book Club is reading a book called Melissa by Alex Gino. Uh, it is an amazing book. It's a young uh, youth book um, about a trans middle schooler uh, named George. The book was previously uh, published as George, and now the title is Melissa. Uh, enlightening and important, says the School Library Journal. And this is one of those books that is being banned all across the country. So we encourage you to join us on August 10th. It's free. Register at openandaffirming.org. Uh, the reading age is 9 to 12, but of course adults um, are encouraged to read it with us. It will mostly be adults. We are encouraging young people uh, who read it with an adult to get on with us. Grade level is age or grades three to seven. We would love for this to be a multi-generational conversation, but please, uh, anyone of any age is welcome to join us, where anyone over the age of 10 is invited to join us. And if you have a young person, please read it with them and hop on the Zoom with. Even though it's free on August the 10th at, 10, at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you do have to register so that you can get that log in information. Thank you so much for listening. Each and every episode, we get more and more listeners. So thank you so much. Please like, subscribe. Uh, however you listen, if you rate us five stars, we would be greatly appreciative of that. And yeah, super, super, super excited about today's discussion. So I had the opportunity to go to the 34th General Senate of the United Church of Christ. And wow, I've met so many people that I've only seen in a little Zoom screen for, for the last several years. And so I am super excited. I was super excited to get to meet everyone. Thank you for those who stopped by our table and all of that. But there were a group of us, many people actually, who found ourselves at General Senate in Indianapolis and then traveled to Atlanta. For me, I left um, Indianapolis and drove to Atlanta 
to be at the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries Conference, short term, um, uh, abbreviated as TFAM. Um, for those who have been around for a while, you might refer to it as the Fellowship. But yeah, uh, this is my first time. People have been saying for years and years and years, you know, you should join TFAM. You should join TFAM. You should join TFAM. And it has a reputation. A lot of people think I'm in it because I'm black and UCC. There are a lot of uh, people in the fellowship. Uh, it, it, it brings an affirming ministry, um, but it's usually Pentecostal. Um, it was founded by Bishop Yvette Flunder who came out of the Kojic church. So there's a Pentecostal fire and charisma that is there. And so a lot of people assume that that's the tradition that I came out of, and it's not, um, nothing wrong with that tradition, but people will think I'm already in it because I'm black and UCC, but I'm not. And join, 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 just seeing so heavy. So then this time it was, you know, you should go and I think it would be really important with your role in the coalition and I thought, absolutely, I'm there. Super excited that I went. I got this straight from their website. The fellowship's overarching goal is creating, sustaining, and celebrating community on the margin. At its simplest level, the fellowship offers a place of hospitality. Marginalized peoples experience hospitality where they have neither to define nor deny their place or humanness. Hospitality means creating a free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. The intention of hospitality is not to force people to change, but to offer them space where change can take place. It is not meant to convert men and women over to one side, but to offer freedom not distributed or not disturbed by dividing lines and to engage in heartfelt, meaningful dialogue. The fellowship welcomes all persons to join us on this journey. We do not purport to have all the answers, but we endeavor to create an environment where we can search together in full assurance of faith in a God whose love is great enough to hold us all. And that's from Bishop Yvette Flunder, presiding prelate, the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries. So um, for more information, you can go to radicallyinclusive.org. And yeah, I was super excited to go. Thought that the opportunity that I had there was ministry changing, life changing, and thought that the information might be useful or interesting to some of our listeners, especially as we talk about the intersection. How do all these things come together? And so I invited a group of three people who went to both conferences um, with me, and we sat down and had an amazing conversation. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. Greetings, awesome people, and welcome to the Intersection ONA podcast. Um, it's your host, Reverend Derek Terry, the program director for the Open and Affirming Coalition. And I am here with three people who I will call friends because we're friends. Uh, some were new friends. Some, we've been Facebook friends for a while and, and, and now we've met finally. But I'm super excited and I would like for them to introduce themselves. We'll start uh, with Reverend Dr. Rebecca and then Ray and Edwin. Reverend Ray, Reverend Edwin, yeah. Well, thank you, Reverend Derek. It is totally an honor to be with all three of you. Um, I would echo what you just said, Reverend Derek, as, as the introduction. Um, I'm uh, Reverend Rebecca Vocal. Uh, I am the Pastor for Justice Ministries and the Director of the Center for Sustainable Justice at Lindale United Church of Christ. And I teach uh, as an adjunct at the United Theological Seminary of the Twin Cities. And I've been hanging out with the coalition and TFAM for a lot of years. I, I uh, uh, decades at least. Yes. Awesome, Reverend Ray Jordan. 
Hello, everyone. My name is Ray Jordan. I am a uh, pastor of First Community Church of Dallas, UCC, in the city of Dallas, Texas, where I also teach part-time at the uh, Southern Methodist University, teaching human rights graduate students, uh, undergrad as well. Uh, and I have a DEI consulting company in which I do a lot of the intersectional work that uh, all of us are a part of. So I'm just really happy to be here. Awesome. And Reverend Edwin Perez, Jr. Since my name was mentioned just now, I'll just tell you who I am. Uh, <laughs> I am the uh, president moderator of the Colectivo Latinx Ministries in the United Church of Christ. I pastor two congregations part-time uh, among the two, Manantial de Gracia, United Church of Christ in Hamden, Connecticut, mm -hmm. and the Congregational Church of Naugatuck as interim pastor um, in the state of Connecticut in the Southern England Conference of the United Church of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, that's me. I've been around TFAM since I think my first convocation, I believe was 2019, my first official convocation, but I had been following TFAM for quite a while until I decided to begin attending and begin relating and uh, communing with uh, the rest of the family. Uh, and I've been in the UCC since 2015, where I came from a, a Pentecostal tradition and somewhat Catholic, half of my family were. Mm. And thank you for having me. Awesome. And um, yeah, I'm super excited about this conversation because this was my first time really jumping in the deep end of Senate. I've been at Senate, but really just kind of there. Uh, this is the first time I came, you know, of course, with the coalition and, you know, had to be there the whole time and jumped in and met people and talked. And uh, it wasn't just, hey, let me go out of town and, you know, just drop in a little bit and hang out with some friends. I really did uh, take the deep dive. And for years, people have been saying, you should join TFAM. You should join TFAM. You should join TFAM. And that phrase, join TFAM, was really weighty. <laughs> it was really heavy. It sounded like one more thing to commit to, to do. But this time it was you should go, and you should go was seemed way more approachable than. Mm -hmm. than and I'm so glad that I went. And so, um, just wanted to talk to some people who had that experience of going to both Senate and uh, TFAM and talk about what how our experience was. So, so let's start with Senate. It was first we we're in Indianapolis. How was how was that experience? First time in person in a long time. So how how was that experience for you all? Anyone can go. Well, I'll say that I don't know the experience any other way. So I have been serving in the United Church of Christ since 2014, and I have been familiar with TFAM since 2009. So in 2009, uh, TFAM's convocation was in Dallas where I live. And so of course I had heard about it. I knew of Bishop Blunder, mostly through her gospel music career and a little bit about what was happening with uh, the fellowship as it was called originally before it became TFAM. So I went, enjoyed myself. It was different. I will have to say that I should, I think we should name that, that for a lot of people, it's a very different experience because it uh, requires you. In fact, it demands that you bring your authentic full self to, into the room. And I had never been in a setting, particularly a church setting, where all of me was invited. And in 2009, I was just coming out of uh, the United Methodist tradition. I was coming to grips with my sexuality. I had come out and was, and, and was coming out. I feel like coming out is like being born again. You're born again and again and again, right? So sometimes there are layers and evolutions to our standing fully in our authentic selves. And so I, I visited TFAM in 09. It didn't feel like a good fit for me then for all kinds of reasons. I grew, the organization grew. So my first opportunity to go to a general senate, I was a delegate from the South Central Conference, was in 2017 in Baltimore. And I, I had got a bee in my bonnet, otherwise known as being led by the spirit, <laughs> to really follow TFAM. I literally, I was ingesting at night YouTube videos of, of Bishop Blunder and of the services and et cetera. And I felt like I knew kind of new people, but it wasn't like being a part. So I'm sitting there on the delegate floor, the opening plenary, of Senate in 2017, and I see this little woman about four foot tall, 
<laughs> walk in with you know a few people uh, surrounding her, and I just made a beeline directly to uh, the Reverend Doctor Yvette Flunder, and like a kid, I said, "Bishop Flunder, my name is, and I feel called to be a part of TFAM." I didn't even know what, how, what, what that included. I just felt called to do it. And she looked up at me because she looks up at everyone. <laughs> she looked at me and she opened her arms and she said, oh, son, welcome. And something just came over me. I mean, I was overcome by the Holy Spirit. It's just really hard to explain what her personal presence does. And I want to be sure that, you know, we separate TFAM as an organization versus Yvette Blunder as a human being. But when you're in leadership, sometimes you embody the ethos of an organization. And her ethos was so welcoming and inviting. She said, why don't you come and join us in New Orleans? And it's always in the same month. So the convocation usually is a week or two, sometimes three weeks after Senate, but it's usually in the same ballpark. And so I went and that's how I have experienced Senate and TFAM ever since. I have Senate and then I have TFAM. So I really don't know the experience any other way. But I will say, and I'll be quiet, but I will say that first Senate, everyone that I thought was interesting and cool and spiritual and just really nice people and people I wanted to know were a part of TFAM. I would meet people at Senate and they would mention, inevitably they would mention TFAM. And so I got hungry even more, I got hungrier. I've got to figure out what this TFAM is all about. And all the cool people are UCC and then they're going to TFAM afterwards. So I literally on a wing and a prayer booked my ticket while I sent it and just showed up. And my my stocks were blessed. Blessed all, you know, with one of those experiences. That that's so true. That that whole all the cool people. And I don't know if it's because I'm black and they think I'm in TFAM, but <laughs> <laughs> that was such a part of it, but there, there's so many like non-black people that and I'm like, oh, I've got to at least experience. Anybody else? What what was the experience like for you? I had a similar experience um, with um, with Bishop Mom. I ca I call Bishop <laughs> Bishop Mom <laughs> um, only because um, having grown up in in the in a Pentecostal tradition. Uh, adjacent to the African-American Pentecostal church, or at least the Kojic church, where um, I grew up also attending because my, my stepfather was a musician at a Kojic church. So every morning, mm -hmm. so after after my service, I would head over to the Kojic church down mm -hmm. the street. Um, and so I felt, oh, I, I always felt comfortable, right? Because at the time, my church was very much involved socially. Um, not that social, <laughs> not that socially. <laughs> We're that progressive. But, you know, in terms of like racial justice or... Um, um, immigration justice. We were very much involved in the community, mm -hmm. so we would partner up and, and see folks um, from different uh, different churches. Um, I had a tough time with my sexuality and with my uh, with my faith, um, and I always mention this because it was folks like Bishop Flunder who really, years ago, before I even knew of TFAM, mm -hmm. um, I knew of the person Bishop Flunder uh, that created a. Visibility, and I know that visibility can can be a contentious topic, right? For many folks, you know that should we have visibility? Is how important is visibility? How harmful could visibility be for toward people? Um, but I think certain people are anointed and gifted to be in the limelight. Um, that that's not for everyone, um, but I think it's necessary for people like me to see myself. There's something <clears throat> um, I forget what the, the uh, an actress the other day I, I was seeing an interview. She was saying that um, on the view that there's something that see, there's something prophetic about seeing yourself mm -hmm. um, in 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 places mm -hmm. of influence, mm -hmm. and how could this <laughs> fair-skinned Puerto Rican <laughs> indigenous <laughs> like <laughs> Latino, you know, how how could you know uh, cisgendered queer? <clears throat> how could I see myself? You know, I saw myself through my queerness. I saw myself through the other as another in Bishop Lunder, although very different other experiences, right? And different generations and whatnot. But um, somehow, my, me, <laughs> I didn't expect this, but somehow me coming to the UCC, right? And me joining the UCC and becoming UCC and I seeing myself in the UCC, although there's still a lot of work to be done. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I, all of a sudden I see this loop closing 
and I see Bishop Flunder in relationship with and as, as a UCC minister, as a UCC ministry, um, TFAM also becoming and growing into some sort of partnership with the United Church of Christ. And that to me was just, okay, God, <laughs> this is home, this is home, this is right. Mm. Um, and so I remember at the 2019 Synod, um, because I had been following like Ray a little bit, not as early, but a little bit before I'd been following and following. Um, I met her and, um, and, and I saw her, I said, I said, Bishop Philander, I said, my name is so-and-so, same, same experience that Ray, that Ray had. Um, and let me tell you that, that how God used you in my life. And that was my testimony. And I gave her my brief testimony, my 60 second testimony. She opened up her arms and she said, son, welcome home. And that was, and that was my experience as well. So um, I'm delighted to hear that as well from, from Ray. Uh, Rev Rebecca. I love hearing these stories. <clears throat> well, I, um, I was born and bred in the UCC. Both of my parents uh, were UCC pastors. My dad has passed. My mom is still her fabulous self as a UCC pastor. Um, and Bill Johnson was in our home. Um, I was three years old when he was ordained. And Jan Griesinger, who was um, one of the first uh, national coordinators for the coalition, worked with my mom and uh on early feminist stuff in ohio um and there was there's a way in which uh the coalition uh created that kind of representation particularly in the person of bill and jan and others and um and I was kind of a church nerd growing up doing, and I did went to my first general synod in 1977 in Washington, DC um, as an eight-year-old. Um, so I, I have always found general synod to be the most uh, dynamic, exciting, you know, um, progressive, um, imagination expanding part of the United Church of Christ. Um, and, um, I, I was somewhat part of the movement, like the coalition literally started some of its work at General Synod singing outside the uh, plenary hall, uh, you know, as a prophetic action. And, um, and then in 1985 in Ames, Iowa, when the open and affirming resolution was passed, um, you know, the coalition, I was part of a, like, I don't know, seven o'clock in the morning, some, you know, early worship service. And this kind of trajectory of moving into more fully into the life of the denomination at the general synod level, even paralleled sort of the expansion of the open and affirming movement. Um, but I always, you know, like that, that I was a youth delegate in 1985 at that res that general synod where the open and affirming resolution was passed and Jesse Jackson did a revival um, and um, there were several South African theologians and the, the, the exposure. And as I say, it's sort of the expansion of my imagination um, and, and what the church ought and already is, um, you know, kind of happens at General Synod. So I have almost always made it to Synod because it is one of the spaces that keeps me in the United Church of Christ, that keeps me in church, actually. Um, mm. and, um, and it was John Selders who invited me to TFAM. I was trying to think, I think it was 2004 in Atlanta. So I think in the, some of these early, the earlier years, I think Holy Convocation might have been every year. So it was a, a non-Synod year that I went and um, Bishop's mom was the prayer warrior. And mm. I was in a particularly difficult time in my life. Um, and, and my religious uh, 
tradition is kind of UCC. And I, I lived in a base community in Latin America. And so that sort of liberation theology out of the Latinx context um, and Quakerism. So my sort of, uh, uh, I, I'm a fairly, you know, expressive human, but I have not, had not been in a Pentecostal space, but I had a Holy Ghost experience mm -hmm. at that Holy Convocation. I was weeping and releasing, I was metabolizing and releasing this very painful experience that had happened. So I, I, I just am resonating with the ways in which the uh, the partnership and the covenant between the coalition and the denomination and the fellowship or TFAM, you know, gives me just great hope for how the church ought to be and already is. Um, and I, I, I was privileged to be part of that, the, the meeting between the coalition and the, and the UCC and the fellowship when the covenant was uh, negotiated and, uh, and signed. And I just, honestly, it's one of those touchstones that gives me hope for church. Oh, I love, this is why I love you all. I had like got the goose <laughs> because um, it was so interesting talking to, so I pastor a church that is pretty mixed. It's pretty white and black and, um, only a few Latinx people on the fringes, but you know, we're, we're pretty white and black. I was called by a search committee that was all white uh, because the black people said, we don't like not having a pastor. You <laughs> call us like, we don't like these supplies every week and this is taking too long. So call us. Um, and so I was called by, you know, this old white German ENR, now UCC, never had a black pastor, never had an openly gay pastor. It was really difficult trying to find my way. And this is the first time I came out of the AME church. This is my first time not pastoring or preaching to a black congregation. So the styles of worship, music, but my congregation is the joining together of the old German ENR church, a United Methodist church that closed down the street and an independent Pentecostal church that was meeting in the space and the bishop got sick and was really close to the pastor and said, I want these, I want my congregation to join with yours. Wow. And so they have this energy that, that wants to be radically inclusive and that wants to do all these things and they get it wrong all the time. But they called me and, and I found it really hard to pastor because what, you know, spoke to me, people and not in congregationalist church, they're a little more vocal about stuff than I was used to. Pastor didn't have the control of some of the things that I was used to in in in, in my denomination. And so I agree with uh, you, Rebecca, like going to Senate, it was like, oh my God, this is like, this is what I need. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the UCC church is still a really white denomination. And because we're so different, and that's the beauty, the diversity of the denomination is its beauty, but that's also what makes it difficult because as you pull in everyone's ideas of worship and, and energy in the UCC, you know, Senate gets it wrong all the time, all the time too. So being at TFAM, I felt like Edwin, like that, that circle was closing. It was like I was getting, so leaving the denomination that I was a part of because I couldn't be my total self, I, I lost something, gave up something found something in the UCC that I needed and I'm so grateful for and seeing my church grow as I grow and them, you know, get it and change and shift. So that closes a circle. Going to TFAM really helped to close that circle because I got that black liberation, but also that style of worship, but also the depth. Church, Bishop Bashtai McKenzie was at the opening day of Synod and her name tag didn't say Bishop on it. She didn't have any armor bearers. Like there are all these things that I'm like, what in the world? Like this would have never happened in a black denomination. Then I go to TFAM 
and Reverend is on my name tag and everyone's titles and, you know, the processing in. And so it was just all these things that I didn't even know I was missing that mm. really helped me because it used to feel like you either got, you either were in the affirming space, but it might not, you know, meet my cultural needs or I'm in the cultural space and it might not meet my theological my spiritual <clears throat> so bringing all of them together it was just really liberating and freeing and it's like i need all of this <laughs> go ahead Ray. i will say that um i was told very early on and i i, I beat this drum that you don't really know the united church of christ until you go to general Senate. Because it's very easy, especially down here in the southern states where there just isn't a plethora of, of colleagues and sister churches, right? We're kind of, you feel like you're you're out on a limb by yourself uh, often. And when you go to, and so you can get isolated, you can get uh, siloed. But when you go to Senate, you see all of the expressions of the church. Those that look like you and those that don't, but it all makes this beautiful, messy tapestry of God's diversity. Uh, however, the standard or the norm is European uh, or Eurocentric Protestantism, right? That's kind of the, the ethos of, of, the, of the meeting, which is per perfectly fine. I grew up a United Methodist. But when I go to TFAM, it's the only place that allows me to invite all of myself. So TFAM invites me to bring my, uh, my black self, my mystic and spiritual Holy Ghost self, <laughs> my intellectual and academic self, and my justice self. And while I, I really do believe that General Senate does that as well, it just does it in different ways, which in part is why I am I'm welcoming a conversation that our new general minister and, uh, and president is offering our denomination around uh, dual belongings. And it's the idea that the Holy Spirit is multilingual and it can speak and move and express herself in a multitude of ways. And what I get in TFAM is you get almost all of those, well, not all, because the Holy Spirit is quite vast, isn't she? But you get so many different kinds of expressions that may not always be welcome in other spaces. So you get people like Dr. Carrie Day, first African-American woman to be tenured at Princeton Theological, and all of that headiness. You get Bishop Barber and all of the, the, uh, the economic justice and the, the liberation work. But then you also get gospel music and you also have, you know, two and a half hour worship services, <laughs> which maybe would not be something I would vote for if, if there was a vote, but there is room for spirit to move. That's where sometimes, and I was a theological reflector for General Senate this past time, um, and so I, and I've, I've been on the main stage at General Senate in times past in which I've been a part of the worship team. And I'm very much aware of time limitations and hitting your mark and how very beautifully choreographed it is. But there's also ways in which spirit speaks in the messy chaos of Pentecost. Yes. With the multitude of voices as spirit is speaking. And no matter what language you speak, whether it's a white Protestant language an academic language, a justice language, or a messy Pentecostal worship experience language. Spirit can meet you right where you are. And so for these two to kind of come together, it's, it has to be a God thing. Because what in what other world would these two organizations come together? And I have to just voice her name once more because Bishop Blunder, uh, as she has recounted the story to me, when she founded City of Refuge, it was non-denominational. And as in her language, we went denomination shopping because mm -hmm. I believed that you ought to have a community of accountability and a covering, et cetera, et cetera. So she said they had conversations with the AME church. They had conversations with MCC. They had conversations with an, a, a two or three other groups before they decided that the UCC would be the city of refuge's home. And then the uh, almost like putting yeast, you know, it just takes a little bit. And the fermentation process has kind of happened throughout the church. And at least when I was taking UCC history and polity, 
I was taught that we are a united and a uniting church, meaning we lean into Christ's prayer that we may all be one. And that's great on paper, but gosh, when you have to live it out in practical, pragmatic ways, it challenges you. And we should just voice it. The UCC has been challenged by TFAM's presence. But to both, to everyone's uh, benefit and credit, we were making it work. You know, some of the local associations and conferences and committees on ministry aren't always um, up to par. They are always up to speed on where the national church is. But at the end of the day, we're somehow making these two uniquely different yet interestingly similar organizations uh, come together and covenant. And it's a beautiful, messy thing to watch. And I, I, I feel honored that Spirit has allowed me to be a part of it. What else? Well, one of the, one of the things that, that I think I'm sort of dovetailing off both Reverend Derek and Reverend Ray, what you are saying, I, I do feel that this particular moment that we are living in nationally, the ways in which uh, the rise of white nationalism, the the um, some of the the bubbling up of the um, some of the indigenous-led both climate work, but also um, sort of the direct ask to repudiate the doctrine of discovery, the, the, the kind of what feels to me like that uh, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, like this bubbling up of white nationalism at the very same time, this, this incredibly creative, resilient dismantling of white supremacy happening. And, and I think one of the things that, um, that I find very interesting about the life of the United Church of Christ is the ways in which this historically and predominantly white settler colonizer church that literally in New England is, the churches are literally in the center of every freaking green, um, that kind of and like the longest word in the English language, anti-disestablishmentarianism is, you know, comes from the United Church of Christ, you know, our congregationalist heritage resisting um, uh, the disestablishment of the, of the congregationalist as the state church. You know, like we have this history of being at the center, <laughs> literally and figuratively, and this journey away from the cultural center and what and this and the ways in which I feel like the some of the kenosis of the father that we see in Philippians, you know, that how is it that the denomination is going through that sort of outpouring of being centered culturally and in the and and is working around dismantling white supremacy and and in, in a kind of reclaiming what I think of as the center of the gospel. And, mm. and so I, I get really excited about, you know, there's, you know, there's all kinds of, I just resonate Reverend Ray with your piece about, you know, the, the work around some of the reparations resolutions at general synod this time, like the, the ways in which white supremacy racism is still very, very much present woven into our DNA as a church. And at the same time that we're sort of the kind of cancer treatment that we're, <laughs> that we're going through around, around white supremacy culture and the healing and the ways in which the, you know, the centering of Brian Stevenson and Ibram Kendi, and even some of the work that um, Nadia Boltz Weber was talking about of, of a kind of, abolitionist frame in terms of the forgiveness and, and, you know, Reverend Dr. William Barber at, at TFAM, like I, I get really excited about the ways in which the covenant between the United Church of Christ, the coalition and TFAM are, 
I think, absolutely ahead of time and right on time in terms of what our nation is dealing with um, mm -hmm. around white supremacy. And it, it, it's hard ass work. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And it's to me, it is absolutely what the gospel calls us to be doing in this moment. And so that's the other piece that really makes me excited uh, for the covenant. I think that the, um, I think that the, it, I think what's necessary is this relationship between TFAM and UCC. I think there are things that TFAM could be blessed by. And I think by, you know, through and, and with the UCC, and I think that the UCC will also, so there are various strengths and opportunities that um, I see prophetically work in both um, bodies. Um, and so it, it for me, um, I saw this quite clearly attending both this year, right? Um, when I was asked by my partner who attended with me um, during some of the the convocation, um, sorry, the not the convocation, uh, synod, asked me, so <clears throat> it's, a, it's a little different than what we're used to. And him also coming from the Pentecostal tradition. So I saw a little bit of worship, but mainly a lot of business. <laughs> so, and I'm like, I know. <laughs> and like, what, what would it look like to have an intentional, not just worship be something we do on the side, but have something worship be. Um, and, and so, of course, I also see, right? This is not, I don't want to um, confuse our business as not being worshipful or something that um, honoring God or doing or serving in a way that um, connects our heart with God's heart so to speak, right? Um, and so I do think that we worship through our business. I do think that we worship through our resolutions. I do think that's wonderful, that's amazing. However, there was these little moments, right? There were these little moments in, in Synod where I was like, oh my God, yes, I, we need this. We need this because the business that we're about to tend to is gonna be real tough. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna be quite difficult. Um, for people to discern and so oftentimes you know we, we we need we need these things we need these opportunities and so tfam very much i i pretty much like what reverend eric said about um, what tfam does for us right um, but i also see the opportunities in tfam and i hope my tfam siblings are uh, will listen to this right mm -hmm. and, and i say this with love right because being being of that of those traditions and now being an authorized minister in both bodies, right? Um, I can say that we need to do better around uh, disability justice as well, right? Um, we need to do. We need there are opportunities still, and that's the, that's the good news. It, I don't say this with a, with a, and then I can say things about the UCC, but we can we all know what <laughs> everyone in this virtual space knows what <laughs> what where we need to go in terms of the United Church of Christ. Um, but I think the, my point is this. I think, and, and if this is the only takeaway I think that, that I would like to offer um, to everyone who is watching is the relationship of TFAM and UCC is intentional, has to be intentional, mm -hmm. has to be built upon, and it is very necessary. It is not an option. It is a crucial necessity. I would what? like, oh, go ahead, uh, Rev. Rebecca. Well, I just, I, I really, two things that strike me about what you're saying, Reverend Edwin, is I, first of all, the Young Theologians panel at TFAM was one of the most exciting things I've been part of in years. So thank you for your brilliance and your colleagues' brilliance. Um, and I, um, you know, and Reverend Ray, you lifted up um, the united and uniting church that the that the UCC really and my my dad who was part of that first that that general synod in 1957 where the churches merged wow. and he was a association minister over his ministry but he always said that there's this dynamic tension in the united church of christ um and it's kind of between movement and institution and, and his sense was always that the closer we are to 
the movement end of that tension, the more faithful we are. And one of the pieces that I thought was really interesting, I feel like TFAM is, is one of the things that happened at the uniting, at the, uh, the meeting out of which the covenant emerged was this fascinating, in my mind, the, the panel that had the UCC collegium and other officers of the church on it was this sort of um, exploration of, <laughs> of institution. And, you know, in, with, with all love, it was boring as hell. And then the TFAM <laughs> leadership got up and there was this entrepreneurial, spirit-led, creative, that was 10 years ago, right? And part of the, I feel like part of the emerging tension for TFAM is that, you know, it, it, and part of this happens as movements grow, the kind of building of infrastructure, which has the temptation to become more institutional. And I feel like that we're in that moment for TFAM of how do you retain your movement you know, fire and creativity and sort of nimbleness, even as you're building out the infrastructure. And I, I heard the young theologians panel challenging some of that and that lure toward institutionalism. Um, so anyway, I, that's one of the things that, that was most interesting to me um, coming out of TFAM. One of the things that I would like for us to talk to is one, you know, we've been we've been talking about you know a lot of like the Senate T family was very high, uh, high arch. I want us to go now to spin down to the local church. Like, I feel like after Senate and T fam, I went back as a different pastor than I left. So it was like two Sundays away, two weeks away, immersed in all of these different things, uh, a style of worship, you know, I, I miss being in black worship spaces. Um, but at the same time at Senate, there were, there were moments where that praise team from uh, Trinity sang, and I was like, oh my God, if I was a pastor, I'd be like, no, keep going, keep going. Like the spirit, like, it's like they, they, there's, something, there's something happening here. So, um, be focusing more on justice, um, coalition building, and uh, liberation theology for my church that I pastor now saved us from closing. Like, is that not, you know, that's not me. Oh, I'm such a great pastor. No, it was God. It was when I came there, the average age of my of a congregant was 73 years old. We had one child, like one. And that was the first child in years. And that just happened to be a family moved into the area where you see, this seems pretty progressive. Luckily, they're low energy. It's around the corner. We can walk there. This is our church. And they have, and have a baby. And now we've had like three or four babies in the last year. And like at church, wow. they're crying. And, you know, and I think the average age the last time we looked was like 36, 37. Mm -hmm. and, and that really was the focus on just... Yes and liberation theology. And these were things that some of the people in my church who had been there for a long time couldn't wrap their heads around because church was something that you did, you came, you sat, it needs to be exactly one hour, coffee hour for 15 minutes, and then uh, and then we go. So what do we say to to churches? And, not, and of course, understanding every congregation has their own personality, every city is different, like all these mm -hmm. cultures, but what are those things that we can learn for people who are listening who, you know, pastoring churches like we've probably all pastored or pastored? Like, what are those things that we have picked up in being in these spaces that we can offer to small congregations or, or congregations? Like, what, how, do you, how do you start a movement when you've been so invested in being an institution for so long? Mm -hmm. That's so good. I will say, uh, I think it was Edwin who said that uh, TFAM can learn some things from the UCC, and clearly UCC can learn some things from TFAM. 
And while that happens sometimes on the national level, to your point, Reverend Derek, uh, it can it should be able to ideally matriculate down into the local setting. I will say that uh, from the TFAM perspective, that uh, TFAM leadership from Bishop Blunder on down has encouraged members uh, of TFAM ministers, churches who have come to join the UCC or the Presbyterian Church or the Disciples Church or whatever denomination you feel is best fit for you. And what I have seen in just the last few short years, I am seeing some of that uh, institutional, um, both knowledge and resources funnel into TFAM. And I'm seeing TFAM members being named to uh, historic ENR or congregational settings. And so I, I see it beginning to happen uh, bit by bit, but I'm an optimist. I will say that. Uh, I think faith calls, causes you to see things that others don't. That's the purpose mm -hmm. of faith. And when we were there, and for our audience who may not be aware, the UCC General Senate was in Indianapolis at the Downtown Convention Center. And a couple of days after we got there, maybe about three days after we began, another church convention moved in. Uh, and Edwin mentioned the Kojic Church. And for those who aren't uh, church savvy, <laughs> that stands for the Church of God in Christ, which happens to be the second largest black denomination in the country and the largest Pentecostal uh, organization in the world. And there probably is, uh, on the surface, there could not be a group more different theologically on the theological spectrum than the UCC. But I started, it really, uh, uh, dawned upon me that maybe this was an invitation that we missed. Maybe there was something there. And I say that because number one, there actually was a pastor that I befriended from Connecticut who has a church that is duly listed with the Church of God in Christ and the UCC. It has been for 30 plus years. That alone is miraculous, right? And how they managed to, to make that work. That's a resource we probably should tap. But also, I thought, you know, on the right, the Southern Baptists don't have a whole lot in common theologically with Roman Catholics. Yet, when it comes to issues important to them, like abortion rights and other things that they rally around, they put all those theological questions on the back burner and they come <laughs> together for movement. It may not be a movement we appreciate, but it's movement nonetheless. I kept thinking, what, we had this, I don't know, 400 strong, maybe 500, maybe I'm, I'm uh, uh, misrepresenting the numbers, but it was at least a couple hundred people strong marching in the streets of Indianapolis in the shadow of the state house for black lives. And here next door, we have the one of the largest black denominations in the world. What if we had been able to put aside other theological differences and on this issue, on black lives and black dignity, what if we had did some organizing or just a, a simple march? That's optimistic that maybe years down the road before that kind of uh, synergy can happen. But TFAM is a gift to the UCC to be a bridge between us and maybe organizations who think we're strange. And, and quite honestly, we look at a lot of other organizations and we think they're strange. And when TPEN people started coming into the mix, the UCCer said, who are these strange people? Hmm. You know, but I am reminded of the text in Hebrews that say, be careful how you treat strangers. Hmm. Many have entertained angels unawaringly. Or also the text in 1 Corinthians that, say God, that says, God uses the, the foolish to confound the wise. What if the foolishness of the UCC and the Church of God in Christ sharing the same space was really got up to something? And what if TFAM, because so many of TFAMers, I am not a Kojic member or, or former one, uh, uh, but there are lots of us who are. And what if that was a bridge that God has provided the UCC with other large, probably more conservative denominations, yet in the around certain issues of justice we could move the needle together in our local communities what if the local ucc church reached out to the local church of god in christ or assemblies of god around certain issues that they think there could be some movement on 
and put the other conversation on the back burner for now and talked about how to move the needle for justice in our community. Mm. Mm. Idealistic, I know, optimistic, but what if? I love that. What else? What do we think the local church, what do we think we can we can glean? Well, I, I think about, you know, we started the Center for Sustainable Justice at Lindale in 2015. And since then, every single one of our new members, save maybe two, have said that they came to Lindale because they saw us in the streets. Mm. And the so I think that that, you know, the the ways in which we can become more biblically and theologically savvy and rooted, you know, and that's part of like, I feel like I get filled up <laughs> worship wise and in and sort of biblical and theological reflection being at both General Synod and TFAM. And how do we become, you know, movement centered local churches that are, you know, you know, grounding ourselves spiritually in, in worship and, and then witnessing in the streets um, and being about sort of some of the coalitions, Reverend Ray, that you're talking about, like, so I, I feel like the more we can be like movement and the more we can be like the kind of coalition spaces that we get to just taste at General Synod, um, I do feel like that's a, that's a very sort of concrete strategy for our work on, on the local level. And honestly, I, I can't tell you how many times I have heard a particular kind of biblical interpretation and in preaching at General Senator TFAM. And I'm like, I am totally using that <laughs> when I go home and <laughs> preach. So um, yeah, I, I feel like there's, there's a lot of ways in which I try to make those connections. Reverend Edwin, final thoughts before we close out? Um, I, th I think that similarly um, to what I said before, um, the local church has something to learn from the broader UCC denomination and the fellowship of Affirming Ministries. Um, just the same. Um, I, I think that knowing what you do best, right, mm. is what can move your church forward. What mm. people often get caught up with 1500 things in the church. We have this going on and we have this going on. And this going on. It's okay to be a congregation where you do this thing very well. Mm -hmm. um, and so think about what you, the UCC is well known for. Think about what TFAM is most known for. Think about what your local church can be most known for, where your heart is, where your passion is. It's okay to focus and pour a little bit more in that one thing that you're good at. And I think that's the way to go forward. Ah, oh, that's perfect. That's, that's literally what my church did. We said, you know what? We're mixed. People come to us for their race and social justice questions. People were like, how do we teach white people? I'm like, well, half my congregation is white. I have to teach white people. And that's literally what we started doing was doing, we call it race, rage, and fear. Where we talk mm -hmm. about racism and the rage that it inspires and the fear that it inspires. And that has really made a difference. I love that. What are you good at? Focus on that. I love you all. This was an awesome conversation. I was so glad to get to hang out with all of you separately, sometimes together while we were in Indianapolis or Atlanta. And I just thank you for taking your time out. Anytime you can get three people like yourselves to all get on a call at the same time, uh, I'm really grateful <laughs> for that. And the coalition is grateful for your ministries and just thank you all so much for joining us uh you want to give us where we can find you if you want to find you on social media really quickly um if you're interested in that they can find me on all of the platforms at ray c jordan awesome. all one word ray c jordan anybody else want to share the referez.com manantialucc.org Awesome. And my most recent work is sacredreckonings.com or very easy to remember, Reverend Dr. Rebecca M.M. Vocal 
com. <laughs> awesome. And on that note, thank you all so much for joining. Hope you all have an awesome rest of your day. Take care. God bless. And I love you all. Love you. Thank you. Thank you.